But this time, we got us a winner. Can you dig it? <laughs> it's Shaq time. Hello, and welcome to our third episode of the Page to Pixel podcast. I am your host, Reed Joan, and join with me, as always, is my dear friend, Jeremy Ruck, all the way up north. How are you doing today, Jeremy? I'm doing great, man. Just uh, playing video games and binge watching... I forgot the name of the show. It's always good. Uh, uh, oh, Saved by the Bell. That's what it was. I can remember things. I guess, like, the guy who played Screech lived in Milwaukee for a while, and then he died. Yeah. Oh, he's dead now? Yeah, he died like two years ago. I think he stabbed a guy and went to jail. And this is like old, 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 like way back, maybe like 2015 or something like that. And welcome to the Saved by the Bell cast for all of your Screech needs. No, we're not talking about Screech, but we are talking about another 90s icon, ladies and gentlemen. Because today's topic is the amazing, groundbreaking life-changing game known as Shaq Fu. So this is something that we're kind of doing as a transition into spooky month. Um, It's going to be October of uh, next week. So in sort of a fun transition from, you know, the other games that we've been doing lately, we're going to be shifting into more spooky horror-based games uh, for the next few episodes. I'd say probably the next three episodes are going to be more of the horror thriller themed uh, games that we're going to be running through. We're really excited about it. Um, We've been working on those a lot, so we're really excited to get going on that. But uh, until then, I don't think today's episode is going to be super long. I think it's probably going to be only about 45 minutes or so. I say that now, but we're going to be talking about Warriors of Virtue, I'm sure, at some point for some reason. Um, Yeah, anyway, I I think let's kind of jump into Shaq Fu a little bit. So before I kind of jump into my own um, wonderful history with Shaq Fu. Jeremy, is there anything that you have to say in terms of your, maybe your own, uh, history with this amazing franchise? Well, I first found out about Shaq Fu while listening to the Ultimate Showdown of Ultimate uh, Destiny. Um, and the first time I played it was at, I believe, your brother's New Year's Eve party after a lot of champagne. And that's about my only history with Shaq Fu, personally. I think that's a that's a better history than most people that have actually played it. So, <laughs> so you, you're coming into this with very limited, drunken uh, experiences with this this uh, this franchise. Correct. Well, uh, yeah, this is a game that you know my brother and I we grew up pretty pretty big uh, NBA fans of like you know Michael Jordan and Shaq and Patrick Ewing and a lot of the early '90s basketball phenoms because. Thanks in part to Michael Jordan in the 1980s and, of course, people like Shaq in the 1990s, uh, sports players really became more than just, uh, sorry, NBA players became more than just players on a team. They became cultural icons. They had shoes. They had endorsement deals, all these other things. So growing up in my time, you know, you're going to see, you know, different athletes attached to different media products and consumer products and stuff like that. And this is a amazing example of that. I think for me... I never owned this game, but it was a game that we did rent relatively off. I don't want to say often, but we rented it occasionally. And I always kind of thought it was fun-ish. 
Um, my brother and I were really big fans. Well, mainly my brother was a really big fan of the original uh, Mortal Kombat games back in the day. I was more of the Street Fighter guy. I love both series, you know, a lot. But so we had this love of these 2D fighters like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat coming into this. So when we hear that Shaq is making a fighting game, we had to kind of jump in on it. And sure enough, you rent it and you play it and you're like, this isn't as good as Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. Uh, and this, you know, what's interesting about this too is that this isn't like a one-off situation where Shaq's trying to ride the money train of Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. Um, you're going to see a lot of clones kind of coming up, cropping up at this time period. Some of them become full-on franchises, sure. But, you know, Shaq, up until a couple years ago, is a complete one-off um 2D fighting game. So my experiences of it, even as a kid, I'm like, this is okay, but it's not great. Um, go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I got a chance to play an emulator of it, and it's definitely a clunky fighting game. It almost seems like, and I'm not sure if you'd agree, but there seemed to be this train in those old like Super Nintendo NES game eras where someone would have an idea for a game or a clone of a game, and they couldn't quite sell it to whoever they needed to sell it to to get it actually out. So they was just like, oh, well, attach Shaq to it. I mean, th there's a tool time game that you showed me. So there was just this kind of thing where it seemed like make a game and then just put something on it that people will recognize and then buy it. I'm not sure if you agree with that sort of viewpoint. Yeah, and well, we're going to get into a little bit more of the origins of this game and the reality is that there's not really a lot of background in the other games we've kind of covered in the past. We talk a bit about, you know, this creator did this, you know, the, how Sonic was created and they had the different mascots and they were looking in Central Park at people getting their opinions. There's really not a lot of that backstory. This does kind of feel a little cookie cutter. There's not really in any of these characters, they're pretty forgettable and generic. They they just don't have the personality and pop of, you know, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, um, King of Fighters even. So I, I don't know if this is a game that they kind of already had shelved, if it was something they were working on. Because playing the game, the the real positive things I can say about it are that the sprite animation, like the idle animations, are really actually pretty nice for the era. And the backgrounds are really cool. But that's really it. Like you were saying, when you're playing the emulator, it's uh, it's pretty difficult to uh, do certain things. Like, you want it to work, and you think it's going to work, and then it just kind of, like, clunks out. And you're just, I don't know, it's just disappointing sometimes when you're trying to get kind of get on a roll. And it's just not responding super well to to the whole process there. So, yeah, no, I, I, I agree that... Um, some people say this is like one of the worst games ever made, and I don't really agree with that. It's not good by any means, but I don't think it's. I played. I've played worse Genesis games. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, it's not like they. It's not like they buried thousands of copies in the desert somewhere. Right. Exactly. I, absolutely. Anyways, before we kind of continue talking about our own personal reflections and whatnot um, on Shaq Fu, I'll just kind of preface this episode by saying that I'm a bit more familiar with the original Shaq Fu. Um, and Jeremy did actually take it upon himself. He sacrificed his time, effort, and money to play the second one, which we will talk about at the tail end of this episode. So I'm, I'm going to be leaning more on Jeremy for his details and perspectives on the second game while I'm going to jump into the first game here. So, ladies and gentlemen, Shaq Fu was released on October 24th, 1994. Uh, it was originally released on Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo, the Game Gear, the Game Boy, and as well as the Amiga. 
the main developers this time around were Delphine Software uh, International, which was the primary, I guess, developer for this. There were some side developers that did, I think, the Game Boy and uh, Genesis uh, Game Game Gear versions. But I'm not going to really be talking about that. If you really want to know who developed the handheld Shaq Fu's, like, by all means, go online and Google it. I know we're supposed to, but anyway. What's interesting about this is it was also published by EA. So, yeah, EA has a really polarizing reputation among modern gamers. Um, but even in the early 90s, you know, they were not as big of a giant as they are now. Um, this is really when the first Maddens are coming out, a lot of the early sports games. And, Jeremy, I'm sure you remember going to, like, the, the uh, rental store or a retail store. And there's like a million football games back then. You know, EA didn't have so like... So many. Yeah, EA didn't have the um, the monopoly on NFL like uh, it does now. This was a game that I guess does have that sports connotation because it does involve Shaquille O'Neal, Big Diesel, the Shaqtis, one of the greatest... The Shaqtis Cactus. The Shaqtis Cactus, one of the greatest NBA players of all time as the primary antagonist. So... Shaq Fu was originally released, like I said, in 1994, and there was the sequel, which Jeremy will be talking about, Shaq Fu, A Legend Reborn, which was released in uh, June of 2018. So the, what's interesting about this game, like I said, it came out on the Genesis, uh, SNES, um, Game Boy, Game Gear, and the Amiga. I, most people kind of consider the Genesis to be the definitive version because there's apparently an unlockable, like, violent mode that was one of the thing uh, that was one of the things um that was interesting about the genesis compared to the super nintendo back in the early 90s was that genesis was a little bit more geared towards teenagers and adults it wanted to be a slightly more edgy um platform than the super nintendo which was largely seen as a very family-friendly console i mean you think of um you think of the mario brothers games it just kind of had wanted to have a more wholesome appeal while the Genesis was taking a bit more risks in terms of what it was allowing on its consoles. You have a lot more violent games available. Granted, Wasn't not... there a lawsuit that uh, Mortal Kombat, I think Mortal Kombat and Sega went through? It, it could have been. And that's something we could maybe look into is like famous video game lawsuits sometime. That would be fun, fun uh, task to do. But I know, um, for example, to kind of boil this down is Mortal Kombat was, you know, one of the most, popular fighting games of the early 90s and they ported it to the super nintendo and genesis and game boy and i believe the game gear as well but the super nintendo version did not have blood i think i don't remember if you like punched him it was like sweat so it was like clear or like gray colored i remember green it could have been green too um i gotta go back and play it but i know the genesis did have blood mode that you could like enter a combo and then you'd unlock it in a very similar way with shaq fu so in addition to having that blood in slightly more violent mode, it also had um, five more playable characters than its counterparts. And it had three more stages, which I thought was really interesting. Is like you're getting, you know, a significant more game if you play it on the Genesis. And that's the only version I've ever played. So when we talk about this game, that's really the game that we're talking about in question. Um, I thought it was so interesting that when we were going through this game, when we were planning and um, getting all the information about this game ready to go we were talking jeremy and i um and we found out that there was a michael jordan game that was also sort of a platformer released i think like a month after this called michael jordan chaos in the windy city and um we were that looking looks sick yeah no it actually kind of does like he plays michael jordan and he's like bouncing a basketball fighting through like haunted houses and stuff it looks just so off the wall yeah we'll have to uh we'll have to get together and play that maybe yeah that'd be a good one to play um, Throw up a little stream or something of it. Yeah, yeah, we're we are kind of planning 
ladies and gentlemen, um, to kind of get a little bit more active outside of just the podcast. I mean, we're trying to maybe get a streaming service going, probably through YouTube, I'm guessing, just to kind of have people kind of jump on and watch us play games. Because a lot of our research ends up us just kind of playing games and watching each other's streams and stuff like that. But that's a, that's an aside. Um, so like I said, Shaq Fu, October 24th, 1994. So it did come out during Spooky Month. And uh, looking at the origins of it a little bit, like I said, this isn't something there's a ton of origins on. I do know that this was Delphine Software's first attempt at a fighting game, which I think, you know... Shows. Shows. It absolutely shows. And when you're when you're sort of faced against the success of Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, and you have to make a fighting game, it's, uh, it's a big deal. But I think the origins of this really boil down to Shaq was a pretty prolific you know, basketball player. I want to say he started in the late eighties, early nineties. I, I should know that, but, um, he was becoming really popular around this time. And, um, he was wanting to market his rap album. He was wanting to get, you know, a little bit more out there and stretch out into different media formats. So he wanted to release a rap album called Shaq Fu. And there were producers that felt, why don't we just take this concept and adapt it into a video game? You know, we figure, we can take something that's lightning in a bottle like Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter and just slap Shaq into it and we can kind of go from there. And uh, that's really all the that's like really the gist of a lot of the creation behind Shaq Fu. It was really just this idea of taking this famous iconic figure of the 90s um, and just kind of putting in putting him into a game. There was, you know, there was the Mortal Kombat that came out. There was Night Trap that came out. So they, they wanted to kind of, you know, fighting games were, were really vogue. Night Trap's not a fighting game, but, you know, adding an element of violence and more mature themes, I guess you could say. But as people kind of figured out, taking a, a famous sports star and just throwing them into a Mortal Kombat clone is uh, not always going to be a, 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 a working thing, so to speak. Um it's an interesting idea, of course, but um, it just represents this larger 90s idea that just slapping a sports star or a celebrity onto something that isn't their usual wheelhouse isn't always a good idea. No, I mean, if there's one thing I know about lightning in a bottle is it's super easy to recreate. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, did you want to get into the story of the first game? I would absolutely love to. Like a lot of the other 16 and 8-bit games that we've talked about, um, the ability to translate narratives and stuff is largely limited to text scrawling, and that's what you see a lot of times um, in games like this. And typically, fighting games aren't really known for their story. A lot of people don't really buy into games for their story. I mean, sure, Mortal Kombat has a pretty cool storyline, and there's some pretty cool uh, profiles of the Street Fighter characters, but I know the... Uh, the opening for this Shaq Fu game, it's what, three, four, five text boxes with images related to it. So that's that's kind of really where we're going. So I will jump into the plot right now. Long ago and far away in a place called the Second World, there ruled the heartless sorcerer Set Ra. His hunger for power still nodded him even though his dominance over the Second World was unchallenged. He longed to extend his grasp to the fair First World Earth. Set Ra's plan was simple. He would destroy the Pharaoh of Egypt. Sorry, I can't read that without laughing, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna edit this out. I, I I can't. He wanted to destroy the Pharaoh of Egypt and usurp his throne. He created a perfect assassin form of his own shadow who would serve him without question. The shadow became Beast, the mightiest and most loyal of all Set Ra's minions. Beast I'm just trying to contain my laughter. No, I'm trying to contain my laughter too. <laughs> 
So was hang on. Was this so was this in the modern time or was this like back when there was actually a pharaoh of Egypt or do they think that there's still a pharaoh of Egypt and maybe there secretly is, I don't know. I'm going to get to that. Please stop interrupting oh, me, I'm sir. Sorry. I'm, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Now, I'm not going to I usually I usually edit a lot of this stuff. I don't think I'm going to edit this time around just cuz this is this is pretty great. All right. So the shadow became beast, the mightiest and most loyal of all Set Ra's minions. Beast destroyed the pharaoh and in disgu- the disguise Set Ra soon sat upon his throne. However, the pharaoh's son Amet was not deceived. He brazenly confronted the powerful sorcerer, threatening to reveal him. Set Ra called forth beasts from his shadowy other domain. Amet barely escaped from the palace to the great desert, where his grandfather Liatsu the Wise dwelt as a monk and hermit. Liatsu and Amet united with a coven of powerful wizards from the lands beyond Egypt, and their combined power was able to send Set Ra back to the second world, comatose and imprisoned with a rune-encrusted pyramid. He slumbered for a millennium, bound by the wrappings of a mummy. So, yes, sir, this does take place, I don't know, a millennia, thousands of years, and then he sets in a slumber. So, yes, it would have actually been the pharaoh of Egypt. Um, I think they should have a bit on ancient aliens about this. This seems very fitting for that kind of show. Yeah, um, also, can I just say, I'm in love with this story right now. This is, like, everything that I love about kind of, like, cheesy fantasy yeah. settings yeah, absolutely yeah. um i'm i'm really sad that i had to play shaq fu too <laughs> yep absolutely so uh moving on beast roamed the second world dedicated to finding and releasing his dead master successful at last beast and set ravau to wreak havoc on those who stopped them before they have gathered a battalion of formidable fighters to further this end to regain his full strength into exile from the first world set Ra must perform an ancient ritual upon a descendant of amet Beast has now returned from Earth with the child Nezu, a child in whose veins the royal blood runs pure. All is ready for the final cataclysmic battle. Only the Chosen One can stop Setra now. One who possesses strength, spirituality, courage, agility, intelligence, size 22 shoes, and unsurpassed <laughs> skills in martial arts. Where in the world would find such a person? Only Shaq knows. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that's like the background of the game. Um, I need that's to... amazing. Yes, yes, it is. I, I, I like the amount of like it, not that it's convoluted, but there's a good amount of just effort that went into five texts worth of like setting up a story for a bad fighting game. Well, and that's like the background. That's not like the storyline that you see in the opening. Like I had to kind of dig online to find that information. Oh, sure, sure. Because the main storyline, so that's all the past, right? Trying to resurrect this ancient sorcerer guy. But in the actual game's main storyline, Shaquille O'Neal, the Shaq, he walks into a dojo on his way to a charity basketball game in Tokyo, and he speaks to Loyatsu, who is this um, relative of the, the kid in the ancient story. And Liatsu is a martial arts master. So after he talks to this master, Shaq gets ported to an alternate dimension by walking into the back of his shop. And he has to rescue Nezu from Set Ra. So it has this like paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs of background information about sorceries and pharaohs and Egypts and thrones. And then it's Shaq going to a dojo in Tokyo and getting summoned back to this second world. So the majority of the game... With the exception of the like the opening, you know, couple seconds, is all takes place in this 
second world, which is sort of be, supposed to be kind of like a darker mirror of um, our world. And how the game kind of plays is when you're in like the, the story mode, obviously what we're talking about is story mode. Uh, what is kind of cool, I think, is once you get ported to second world, you're allowed to kind of run around kind of in like a top-down overworld, and you can choose the order of who you fight, which is kind of unique um, compared to other fighters at the time that usually have a pretty rank order of who you fight and where. I thought that was kind of a, a, a neat touch is having this overworld, and then you jump into these different stages to fight these 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 baddies, as it were. So yeah, that is the story, ladies and gentlemen. That is the plot, and that is the lore behind Shaq Fu. Does he save him? What happens? Uh, you know, it really depends. It really depends on if you're able to kind of complete the game. I want to say you have like eight fights or so, um, eight or nine fights. Um, when I was playing it recently on the emulator, I got to, I think, Liatsu, and he kind of he kicked my butt, and uh, I quit. So <laughs> I beat the I beat the first five people by crouching and pressing punch. So I kicked him in the ball, I punched him in the balls, um, and that's how I cheesed it. That's a firm strategy, though. I mean, if you're ever in a tight spot, just crouch and punch for the groin. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, and I want to I want to add too. Um, the original versions of this game, like I said, came on Genesis and SNES in October of '94, but some reason the game gear game boy and amiga versions came out a year later i don't know why that was but um that's just what happened friends so um let's talk some more about the characters shall we all right so now that we've introduced the world i think it's probably prime time to kind of talk about the characters like i said there's not a lot of depth with these characters they're really cookie cutter they're probably something that the board designers kind of came up with in a few minutes if I'm guessing. So let's start <laughs> off with the chosen one, the real deal. Big Diesel Shaquille himself. O'Neal. Yes, Big Big the Diesel himself, deal, Shaquille, O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal. And what I'm going to do is kind of read off the character title and then I'm going to kind of say in the ma- you know what the description is in the manual. So Shaq, a dominating force on and off the hoops court, rookie of the year, perennial all-star and founder of Shaq Kido, an extremely lethal martial art form. Um, when you play the story mode, you're only allowed, as far as I know, to play as Shaq. So keep that in mind. So yes, after Shaq, there is Kaori. Forced to obey Set's will by the power of an enchanted rig, Kaori is a martial arts champion of an alien feline race. And yeah, she looks, you know, she kind of has that Chitara from Thundercats thing kind of going on. I'm guessing a lot of the developers of this game are fans of Thundercats because a lot of the characters, um, they, they look like uh, like Thundercat rejects. Uh, then, then there's Beast, who was crucial to the development of the plot. Uh, Beast was created by Set from his own shadow. Beast is the mightiest of Set's servants, and he kind of looks like a skinned Carnage from Spider-Man. That's my best interpretation. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, and then there's Set, an entity of ancient evil. He's one of the real bad guys. Set was defeated and entombed in another dimension a millennia ago. Uh, and looking at a picture of Set, he looks like Mumra with like football pads on. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like spiked football pads. Um, and then there's Colonel, who's in the Genesis and Amiga versions, a celestial champion, battered, shattered, and almost dead. Colonel was found by Beast on an obscure battlefield, the sole survivor of a fierce struggle. And I want to say Colonel, he he's like what Shaq wants to be. Like he, <laughs> he's got like long hair, but he's also like cybernetic and stuff. So that's pretty neat. Um, Diesel, Diesel's a longshoreman from the San Francisco docks. He spends more time brawling than handling cargo. Oh, Diesel. <laughs> 
what a, what a, what a silly boy. What a silly boy. He's, he loves those dockside bars. Uh, and yeah, Diesel is like the is like I said is one of Shaq's nicknames. But looking at Diesel's character design, it's just a guy. It's just. I mean, is Shaq not just a guy? He is the creator of Shaq Fu, so absolutely not. Um, okay. Next, Liatsu, the grandmaster of an ancient martial art, only remains a mystery to the other masters. So Liatsu, again, he's the guy who portals you through to the second world. And he just looks like every stereotypical, like, Chinese old man, wise old man. Uh, and apparently he's 500 years old during this time because he's, you know, connected to the... Um, oh, he's a spring chicken. Oh, yeah, he's a spring chicken. But he's... I, I think that's who I lost to when I was playing it most recently because he's he's really tough. Wait, why do you fight him if he's a good guy? Uh, I think he's testing your battles, young grass. Reasons? Reasons. So yeah. next is Raja, a young mystic and skilled swordsman. Raja submitted to set sorcery while exploring the nether plains with his spirit. Uh, that guy kicked my butt hard. Raja, yeah, Raja's quick. He's tough. He looks like a pretty generic Prince of Persia style. Roundy's yep. Aladdin. Roundy's Aladdin. Absolutely. Name of the episode, Roundy's Aladdin. Um, Nezu. Kidnapped by Beast to set uh, to free set. Nezu is uncontrollable when angered. Although small, Nezu is agile, swift, and cunning. Uh, and just taking a look at Nezu, um, he's just like, he's 12 years old, and he's like this little Mowgli-looking kid. Because, again, they're just taking all of these tropes of things you're already probably familiar with, and you're like, that's definitely Mowgli, but we're calling it Nezu. And that's who you're supposed to save in the game. So he's like the damsel in distress, this little Nezu. Um, next up, Memphis, a mighty undead sorcerer who was once Set's apprentice thousands of years ago. So I said Memphis, but it's Memphis, so I apologize to the creator of Memphis. I he, thought he just really liked Tennessee. I, you know what? Well, I thought it was Memphis because that was one of the original names of one of the primary cities in ancient Egypt. So uh, I was wrong, yeah. but I meant well. So Memphis... Apologies, Mephis. He does. He's just Green Mumra from. Oh, I was thinking Green Skeletor, but yeah, yeah, that's good. Same thing. Yeah, yeah 80s, 80s villain, absolutely. And then there is the aptly named Voodoo. Um, really great name. Many have fallen prey to Voodoo's ancient magic. She uses her power to hunt Set's enemies. She has big breasts, and I am not just saying that. I'm literally reading the character description of 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 Voodoo, and yeah, she's this like. You know, what's she's... her what's her most defining trait? <laughs> Big boobs. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Her purple hair jumps out to me first and foremost. But uh, I mean, she's just like exactly what you think someone named Voodoo would look like. Yeah, she's like a Voodoo priest, priest, priestess, priestess. <laughs> um, Nailed it. Yeah, and she, yeah, that's it. That's it. She's just the most generic character. And then finally, there is Orok, a simple outlaw that fights for pleasure. Orok taunts anything that comes across his path. And looking at Orok, he's he looks really angry and upset. He's a really sh- sh- relatively short dude. Kind of looks like I don't know. I would say everyone everyone's like f- like fat, bald, like dad, like friend's dad. Yeah. Okay. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And ladies and gentlemen, those are the characters that are entwined in this epic battle of of good and evil and Shaquille O'Neal. So. That, ladies and gentlemen, are the characters of this wonderful, wonderful game. Taking a look at the next step, like we do with Page to Pixel, we always typically like to look at the origins, the plot, the themes, the characters in the world. And we've covered most of those on most of those things, honestly. I mean, looking at the world, 
this is a, this is an alternate dimension where all of these characters are in play, kind of interacting. Shaq's trying to defeat this evil, powerful sorcerer and rescue Neza. That's really it. The inspirations for this game, money. I like <laughs> money. This is just Shaq trying to commercialize himself even further. Uh, he's been retired for many years now, and he's still doing Papa John's commercials. So this isn't like this isn't like the the beginning nor the end of Shaq's commercial presence. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and that wraps up the original Shaq Fu, the legend from 1994. Um, so kind of transitioning, like I was saying earlier on, there was a sequel eventually made uh, just a few years ago. Shaq Fu, a legend reborn, and I will give Jeremy the mic here to tell us a little bit more about Shaq-Fu 2. So Shaq-Fu, A Legend Reborn, isn't really a sequel as much as it it is just a retelling, or I shouldn't even say retelling, it's a kind of a reboot. It was created by a company called Big D's Productions, and there's not a lot about the company. This, uh, From what I can tell, this is the only game they've created, and it started with a successful Indiegogo campaign where they found a way to bamboozle people out of almost half a million dollars. Uh, if you can't tell, I'm not a huge fan of this game, but my my work is still my work. So I played through it, and it's kind of more of a comedy than a serious, so, you know, like as cheesy as that first Shaq Fu was. It's still relatively serious, where this is just kind of problematic jokes. When you say problematic jokes, what do you mean? Uh, don't make me talk about them. Um, we have to. We have to cover the scope and scale of this <laughs> franchise, man. That's our job. I know. Just things that are borderline stereo, like stereotypical on, let's just say, like minorities. You know, when you've got bad guys that are just shooting grape soda like flamethrowers. It's just kind of tactless. The city that it takes in, it takes place in, is called Hung Low. So just a lot of low hanging fruit, kind of. Stuff that you'd expect like a five-year-old to write. But this is like a professional, um, and it, you said it was like an Indiegogo campaign that they did this through. It wasn't like, this isn't like a uh, like a publisher developer making this. This is like a completely independent project, right? Yeah, from what I can tell, the only game that this company's made is this game. If you look at the people that programmed it, it's a lot of Eastern European sounding names, so I'm sure they just... Raised enough money to outsource the actual game creating to someone over in, like, Russia or something like that. So, definitely don't get the sense that it's as much of a labor of love as you might see in that first one where you could tell... I mean, the backstory of the game that no one's going to see was more in-depth than the actual story of the game. And can you tell us a little bit about the story of the game? Yes, I will get into that right now. So... As I said, it is a reboot of an, uh, so a whole new story, and I've kind of just distilled the basics of the story and took out some of the comedy bits. I think it cleans it up a little bit and makes it more palatable. So Shaq Fu A Legend Reborn begins with the unfulfilled promise of being convoluted as an orphaned baby with a mysterious birthmark washes up on the shores of a Chinese village. And this is where the game kind of first deceived me, because I thought that it would maybe be sort of a love letter to some old kung fu cinema. And I thought that was going to be really cool, but that kind of fell short quickly. The orphan is found by an unnamed villager. The child was named Shaquille. As the child grew, he was bullied and outcast due to his size. The village elder Ye Ye took in and mentored the child, 
training him in the ancient technique of Wu Xing. One day, the city of Hung Lo is attacked. Yi Yi reveals he is a guardian of humankind, and every 1,000 years, the god of death, Yen Lo Wang, tries to take over the earth. Unannounced to Shaq, he has been secretly trained as a newest member of the order to help defend humankind. While fighting through waves of minions, the battle is interrupted by Frizzle, a demonically enhanced celebrity. After standing victorious over the interlopers, they spot something falling from a jet overhead. It's Yen Lo Wang's first lieutenant, Wan Yu, a tiny red demon piloting a humanoid robot, who conveniently looks a lot like Donald Trump. The robot charges and fires a laser blast at Shaq as Yi Yi selflessly dives in front of it to save Shaquille. Besting Wan Yu in one-on-one -on -one combat, Shaq rushes into Yi Yi's side. With his dying breaths, Yi Yi tells him Yen Lo Wang has sent demons disguised as celebrities to brainwash the people of Earth, to lower their intelligence and make them easier to conquer. Yi Yi gifts Shaq with a small golden container. It is the golden bond that has connected the secret order for generations. Shaq travels to South America, LA, and Fiji, fighting brainwashed bodyguards, frat boys, gym bros, bikers, and fascist Scotsmen. Along the way, he discovers his birthmark as part of an ancient prophecy. Stone carvings in a cave in Fiji show a decimated hung low and a champion bearing the birthmark standing in its defense. Shaq returns to his homeland to find a portal to the underworld to confront Yen Lo Wang. There, Shaq discovers Yen Lo has taken a celebrity doppelganger. During the mandatory villain monologue, she reveals that Shaq was one of eight kids she adopted as a PR stunt. When she learned of the prophecy, she cast him into the ocean in a handbag filled with bricks. She tempts Shaq to join her as they can rule the world as mother and son. Shaq's steadfast resolves hold true, and Shaq is forced to send Yen Lo to its fiery doom for at least the next thousand years. And that's it. That is the story of Shaq Fu 2. Wow. So they kind of go away from this Egyptian ancient prophecy theme to more of like this, just he's raised as a Chinese orphan. Which I honestly, I don't mind. Um, like obviously, so the first one was set in Japan and I'm okay with him changing it to China just because if you're going off of like a play of the Kung Fu stuff, Kung Fu is actually a Chinese martial art. And I think the biggest issue I have, other than, like, the bad comedy, and, and most of the villains are just any stereotype you can find and just to maybe get a cheap laugh. But I think the issue is the whole celebrity thing they try to bring in. If you're trying to make the point of not to worship celebrities, you probably shouldn't have the main character of your story be someone who's a celebrity figure. It kind of undercuts your message. Right. And you mentioned... Um... All this plot stuff. This isn't actually like a fighting game, is it? Uh, it is a brawler style. So it's not the one-on-one -on -one fighting game. It's kind of like a Streets of Rage sort of. <laughs> One thing, there does seem to have this sort of like uh, political commentary, social commentary in there, which I, I think is, like you said, it does seem like a bit of a stretch, especially it's kind of hypocritical to do that when you have Shaq as the main character. Is there any like themes that you think kind of occur within the second game if they were going for a theme it's probably how foolish it is to worship people just because they're famous but again i think that was really undercut by having shack as your main character there you you could pull a little bit from 
you know, that sort of theme of the outcast being the chosen one who has to stand in as the defender of Earth. You know, that's a thing you get in a lot of sort of those early 90s, maybe late 80s movies where you've got like the loser kid who kind of comes up to be the hero to save this other realm. But yeah, I don't know. There's not really a lot thematically going on in this game that I was really able to take away. It just seemed like a bunch of a way to get some cheap jokes and laughs in at at people's expense. I mean, it literally even makes fun of the people who bought the game. That's oh. how bottom of the barrel. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't remember at what point it is, but there's some point where it's like, yeah, these people are dumb enough to buy this game. So honestly, as far as like base story goes, if they tweak the celebrity stuff, I think it would be a fine, just cookie cutter story. You know, and it's unfortunate in a way that, you know, there's enough fanfare to warrant a sequel for some reason. But sometimes you have games that come out originally and they don't get received really well, but they sometimes reboot it. And it's like a really good, you know, return to form or, or it's a it's better than the original. But it's really unfortunate that in this case, it's not. And I, look, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, I think they really just kind of missed the mark on what's funny about this game. So this is just your classic fish out of water comedy bit. You've got a basketball player in Kung Fu. That's what's funny. You don't need to add all these other jokes on top of it so it almost just screams like either they didn't get that or they were trying to just cover up and make it a joke on itself that way they had sort of this insulated protection from if it's a bad game they can just say oh well it was all just a joke and yeah now that you were talking i was thinking of like themes within the original shack crew and i can't really think that there is one like i said i think it was just a marketing gimmick to get shack more in the mainstream trying to jump on the cool edgy fighting games that were really popular at the time and it was just really kind of a cash grab i think the story of that original one is just taken from every movie that was for like nine to 13 year olds that came out at that time you know you've got like labyrinth page master where it's quite a quite literal Campbellian monomyth where the person just gets sucked into the supernatural world and has some character development they just took away the kid that it should have been and put Shaq in his place. Which is forgivable, but also not at all. Yeah, I mean, he comes into it already having the Shaq, whatever his fighting style, kind of perfected according to the background, so there's not really any character development. Not that I expected there to be like a leveling system in a, what was that again? Like an 89 fighting game? When did that come out? Uh, Which Which one? Uh, the first one. 94. 94, okay, yeah. like Not like they were going to have a leveling system in that kind of game, but it's just, there's not really room for a character to develop. If you look at, like, uh, what is it, the Forbidden Kingdom? I'm not sure if you've ever seen that movie. Uh, Like, once or twice. Yeah, it's just your basic, like, nerd that likes old kung fu movies gets sucked into a fantasy, like, I think Chinese old empire and learns how to fight actual kung fu and saves the day, right? Like... It's just Shaq already knows all the kung fu. Yeah, it's, uh, again, I think you, you hit on the larger idea behind both of these games. Is It's just like, it's just really reminiscent of a lot of those early 90s, late 80s, like, child adventures to another realm to save it. You know, I mean, every movie back then was that plot. You know, traveling through a portal to save this kingdom and all this other stuff. And I think that that's what, the at least the first game is really all about, is just like, 
I don't know. It, again, looking at the first game, just to kind of tie up the things I do like about it, are the just general idle animations look pretty good for the time. The backgrounds look really cool. Everything else is pretty clunky and uh, not great to play. So that's that's really my reflection was, on it. So sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like my biggest disappointment with playing the second game is like how long did it take you to research what was going on in the background of Shaq Fu? Uh, twenty minutes. Yeah, this was a this was like one tenth of the time we usually take to you know organize and research our podcasts. Right. I think it as simplistic as that story is. There's still a lot to build on where they could have actually made like a legitimately cool sequel. Like, heck, even if you don't set it in that same like second world, like when he comes back through the portal, put him in like a futuristic cyber setting, like put him in the same fish out of water thing, but just give it some different flair. Like there's a lot to build off of and they just turned it into kind of a bad joke. Dang it. I'm mad about it. (laughs) I know. All right. Um, Anything else you need to say about Shaq Fu too? No, you don't, don't make me talk more about it. Well, is it uh, can you? Oh, can... I, okay, I take that back. So they did make like a little expansion for it where you play as Barack Obama. Okay, and he's like hunting down the person that's taking out these celebrities. And not that that game's any better, but as I was watching some gameplay from it, I really want to play a version. Are you familiar with the game Postal? Yes, I want to play that with Barack Obama. Voice acted by the real Barack Obama. I'm sure he would 100% be on that. He's got nothing else to do. Right. I just like, there was just something about that where was like, this isn't the game I want, but I want a game like this. Uh, that's all there is about Shaq Fu 2. Did you or did you not return the game? Uh, yes, I successfully returned the game. I played it, I beat it in three hours, and by the next morning, I returned it on Steam and put that money towards uh, Alien Fire Team. There you go. Making better choices with your money. That's half the battle of being an adult. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I think that's all we have for the legend that is Shaquille O'Neal in terms of his, at least his video game career. I don't think he appeared in any other games other than these two. It could be wrong, other than obviously basketball games. But like I said, this is just supposed to be a fun episode. It looks like we're going to be wrapping up right around 45 minutes. Um, hopefully we're going to have more mini episodes like this in the future because it's just kind of fun to have a break. In the it's next, a little goof up It's a little goof up New boot goofing. Like I said, we're going to be having some newer, um, spookier episodes coming up in the next few weeks. So Ooh. we're looking forward to having you guys along for those. So, again, my name is Reed Jolin. We're, we are Page to Pixel. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook. Um, we're on all the different streaming apps in terms of podcasts. Spotify, Apple seem to be the most popular ones. So yeah, we appreciate you guys listening. Hope you guys maybe spend some time if you guys have access to these games, at least the first one, just to throw it on and kind of get your butt beat by an old man in a alternate dimension. So, uh, Jeremy, I will let you send us off. So any final comments you have about this wonderful world of Shaquille O'Neal? Can you dig it? Thanks, guys. See you next time. It's just a guy. It's just I mean big boots. <laughs>